You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Good stuff. Well, we have a couple props this morning. As you can see up here, we got a kettle. We got an old axe. And we got a, a steering wheel. So the riddle for today is this. What does a steering wheel, an axe, and a kettle have in common? Samson liked riddles. If you go back, you can find out that he was into riddles. And you'll find out as we go to the message what they have in common. And uh, we'll get into that in just a bit. Uh, speaking of anger, we, you can't help but think, when you think of anger, think of road rage. Uh, actually, there's a website called roadragers.com. It gives you lots of stats on it, how to, how to prevent it, what to do if you're involved in road rage and all that good stuff. And, and if you type in road rage Vancouver, you'll find a lot of cases of road rage in our own area. Uh, any of you ever been on the, on the highway and something really irritates you or you've seen road rage? Has anybody else had that happen to them? Three. You guys are saints. I, I knew I was in the right church. There's a few more hands going up now. Maybe you didn't understand the question. But uh, I, I don't know about you, but there's certain things that irritate me. For one, I get irritated if somebody is tailgating me and I have nowhere to go. Uh, I can understand it if I'm not driving fast enough in the fast lane and somebody comes up behind me and saying, hey, come on, move over to the other side, I want to get by. I get that. But when I, I have nowhere to go and somebody's like right behind me, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And so that can kind of get me irritated. Uh, or this one bugs me. Sometimes I'm going to go merge onto, let's say, the number one highway, and somebody comes up the shoulder, and they come speeding up, and then they put on the blinker. They want to cut in front of me, and then they want to cut into traffic. I'm going, oh, okay. Uh, bless your heart, and I'm just kind of <laughs> trying to deal with that. Or, you know, so different things will, will anger us on, on the highway. There's a poll that was done, and it surveyed the top things that irritate people on the road. This could also apply if you're riding your bicycle, because how many know you, could, you can get road rage on bicycles as much as you can on cars? And so we have a little poll. All month long, we've been using our smartphones in the surface, and so we're going to do a poll this morning to start us off with, and it's what irritates you most on the road. So we'll go ahead and put up that poll and get your phone out, and you can text in your answer. And so... There's a number to call, 37607, and you just, if speeders really irritate you, you're driving down the road, you say, man, that person should slow down, they're going to kill somebody, and he just really gets to you, that would be rage one. That's what you'd text back. If it's slow drivers in the fast lane, it's like, come on, get out of there, I'm trying to go somewhere. If that's you, then put rage two. Distracted driver, these are the ones who are on their cell phones, buddy, there's a law, you can't talk on your phone anymore. The phone, I, I can kind of get that. You know what I don't get, guys? Maybe the girls get, but what I don't get is doing makeup while they drive. I, <laughs> ladies, how do you do that? I mean, how do you actually look in the mirror and do that little mascara thing and drive at the same... But I've seen them do it. We can't talk on the phone, but we can't put mascara on. Uh, or eating cereal. I've seen people eating cereal on the road. They got their... Snap, crackle, pop, and they're, and they're eating cereal on their way to work or whatever. Uh, distracted drivers, so it could be whatever distracted them. Maybe that really irritates you. Uh, tailgaters, that, that would be mine, rage four. And then unlawful pedestrians or cyclists. These are the ones who jaywalk, you know, like across Alberni Street. I know it would be none of us. 
<laughs> or Georgia Street, or, or cyclists uh, that, are, that come flying down the sidewalk, or they, they don't follow the traffic laws, even though we have bike lanes now, you know, and they just kind of, they get under your skin, the pedestrians or cyclists. So go ahead and uh, text that in, and we'll come back in a minute or two and just see what our results are, what for this congregation irritates us the most on the road. Road rage. Uh, I found out there's some other types of rage. Have you ever seen airplane rage? Ever been uh, standing in line at an airport and you've seen people get upset there? Uh, how about sidewalk rage? Really, I didn't know there was such a thing, sidewalk rage. At least I hadn't really thought about it. We have a friend from New York and he says, we have sidewalk rage. I go, oh, sidewalk rage. And uh, I went to New York and we were visiting there. And they do. They have sidewalk rage. You know when it happens primarily? It happens because in New York, there's more people on the sidewalk than there is in Vancouver. And they walk faster than we walk in Vancouver. It's crowded and fast. And this is when it happens. In the middle of the road, there's somebody stopped. In the middle of the sidewalk, not road. In the middle of the sidewalk, there's somebody stopped and they're doing this. Meanwhile, you're trying to get by them. And it, oh, you just people flip out. It's like, get out of the way. Go text over there. Don't stand in the middle of the sidewalk and text. And they're just like, they lose it. And literally, there have been fights over people because somebody stopped in the middle of the street or the middle of the sidewalk to do their texting. But as I got thinking about it, you know, I think we have sidewalk rage here in Vancouver. You know when it happens? Usually at the intersection, at the crosswalk. Have you ever been there? You're, you're, you're going to go across the street. And you have the white walk sign. And you're about to step out onto the uh, crosswalk, and this car comes and is quickly trying to yet sneak by you and make a, a right-hand turn. Oh, I've seen people just, oh, I want to hit that car. <laughs> or here's another time that happens in Vancouver. Uh, I know we talk about New York, but we've got to talk about our own issues here in Vancouver. You're on the corner of Georgia and Butte, just outside the building here, and Georgia Street is packed with cars. And this poor driver, he's trying to guess, will I make it across the intersection, have a place to land my car, or do I stay? It looks like they're moving. I think I'll take a chance, and I'm going to go in the intersection. Sure enough, it's stopped. Now you're parked right over the crosswalk. You can't go back. You can't go forward. But watch the pedestrians. Sidewalk race. Oh, come on, move that car. Go by. <laughs> and they're just like... Whoa, that tripped them right up. That somebody didn't guess right moving across. So we have sidewalk rage. Uh, what else do we have? Just picking us on us Vancouverites. You know what else we have? I discovered this about a month ago. I didn't know we had it, but we have it. It's called what I call seawall rage. <laughs> I kid you not. Especially if you're one of the regulars around the seawall. You run the seawall, you bike the seawall, and you rollerblade. It's your seawall. And all winter long, it's all yours. But then summer comes and the tourists show up. <laughs> and I mean the bike lane is for bikers and rollerbladers. How dare you walk on that side of the sidewalk? So I was... Biking around the seawall and uh, enjoying my little bike ride, and this guy in front of me, a tourist, 
doesn't know that we're really picky about this. And he's looking at the skyline, enjoying the warm, wonderful, welcoming Vancouver. And so he walks across the bike path and then walks down the bike path. And this guy in front of me, he's coming along and he hammers on his brake, does a no sand on his front wheel, jumps off the bike, and he runs to this guy and grabs him. He's just like seawall rage. He says, how dare you walk? Can't you read? This is a... The guy says, oh, I, I had no idea. I'm so... He says, you want to have it out right now? The guy says, no, I don't want to have it out. I'm really sorry. And he's just like... I got my iPhone. I said, man, this is going to be a good thing to video. And I was going <laughs> to... I thought I'd make a good clip for a message on anger, but it never did happen. So anyhow... That's seawall rage, sidewalk rage, road rage, rage. Easy to slip into rage. Anger is a powerful emotion that if we leave it unmastered, it leads us into danger. And really, that's why we have the steering wheel up here today is we have to manage it. We have to steer it. If you don't master it, anger gone wrong is so, so dangerous. Anger gone wrong is Norway. That's anger gone wrong. We're talking about the dangers of anger today. If you take the word anger, the word danger, there's just one letter that separates it. Just put a D on anger and you got danger. Let's go back to our survey and just see how we did, how this congregation differs from the others. If they have time to put that up, how did we do? You guys, you're the same as the first crowd. Slow drivers in the fast lane irritate you. Uh, tailgaters was number two in the last one. This one is distracted drivers came in second. So uh, slow drivers in the fast lane. I'm going somewhere. Get out of my way. I got to get there. And this is frustrating me. So anyhow, that's more trivia than anything, but it gives us an idea of what might be bothering us here today. In your notes, go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. The Lord says here to Cain, why are you angry? Isn't that a good question? God's saying, why are you angry? We could say the person in road rage, why are you angry? What's at the root of this? Why is your face downcast? Somebody's angry, it usually shows up in their face. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. If anger gets a hold of you, it holds you hostage. It has you. And if it has you and you follow what it wants you to do, it will destroy your life and the lives of others. But then the Lord says, but you must. There's a, if you want to circle the word must, you must master it. You have to master it. You have to, this emotion of anger, you must control. You must keep your hands on the steering wheel and master it. Is all anger sin? The answer is no. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, be angry. I'm glad he doesn't stop there, but he says, be angry. So that alone would tell us you can be angry. Be angry and what? And do not sin. Then he goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and do not sin. Sin means to miss the mark. And if we take our hands off the wheel, we will miss the mark. Be angry, do not sin. Keep your hands on the wheel. Notice that there's the word angry and wrath. Those are two different words. Some translations use angry in both places. But in the original 
language that we translated from the Greek language, it's two different words. So on the next page, we break out what those words mean. Angry comes from a word that means a natural desire or disposition with anger being the strongest of all passions. In other words, anger on its own is not wrong. It is a passion. It's, it's this disposition that we have that we can be used negatively or positively. So it's be angry and don't sin. Then it says wrath, which also comes from a Greek word, means rage or provocation. So again, this is anger gone wrong, where it's become destructive. Well, when is anger a sin? When is it wrong? What would make it wrong? Here's a couple of points to run through. Here's a grid to run it through. Number one, it's wrong when we want to take revenge. Romans 12 verse 19 says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. So it's wrong when I want to get back at somebody. Forgiveness means that I give up my right to get back at them. I have been forgiven, so I will now also forgive. So I give up that right. I am not there to take revenge. If I'm taking revenge, if you cut me off, I'm going to cut you off. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. That would be anger. That's a sin. Anger is a sin when we don't have a legitimate reason. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. And let's read what the Lord had to say there about anger. And he's, this is a sermon on the mount. And he says, you've heard it, verse 21, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. In our country, if you murder somebody, you're going to go in front of a judge. Our Lord was saying, that, that's, that's what the land does. If you murder somebody, there's a law for that. But there's a higher court, there's a higher judgment. And I'm not, the original law, thou shalt not murder, was more concerned about the heart, what is the root of it. Anger is the root of murder. If you take that, that case in Norway, the young man that did so much damage, what was beneath the terrible act that happened was this anger. And God's looking at the heart, he's looking at that issue. If you Google anger management, you'll get lots of websites to go to. And there's lots of different tactics. You can download, you can order books, you can get all kinds of material on how to manage anger. And a lot of it is really good, helpful stuff. Most of it is from the outside that you apply to yourself. But as we mentioned last week, on the heart, it's an inside job. And if we want to be free from the dangers of anger then we want to manage it from the inside. Remember, this whole series has been on guarding our heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. We compared the heart to a generator that generates power. You and I were designed to generate power. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. If anger is allowed to get into our heart, We get angry at others. Wrath, rage is generated there. It really limits the amount of power that comes out of our life. Our role is to filter it out. The number one way to manage anger is to guard your heart. Number one, for sure. And this whole series has been about guarding your heart. Then the Lord goes on to say here in verse 22, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. So it's 
Anger is a sin when we want to take revenge, but anger is also a sin when we don't have a cause, when we don't have a legitimate reason, and we get angry. If somebody walks in front of me, if I'm biking down the seawall and they walk in front of me, that is not a legitimate reason to be angry. Then he goes on to say, and whoever says to his brother, Raka. Now, I, I've never said to my brother, Raka. I don't, I don't have that term in my, I don't have everybody, oh, Raka. I've never heard that. <laughs> but he says, whoever says brother, Raka. Well, in different translations, we would read differently. But differently, it, it just means somebody who's empty head or would mean an idiot. And really what the Lord was saying here, it was character assassination who runs somebody down in front of them or behind their back out of anger that began this character assassination. The Lord says, uh, we have a problem with that. And then he goes on to say, whoever says you fool or you who rebel, you who are against God will be in danger of the hellfire. So what do we learn from this passage here? Again, when we don't have a legitimate reason, then anger is a sin. When we focus on the person and not the deed, when you say to your brother, Again, it's not the deed, it's the person you're attacking. Then it becomes a sin. And then also, when we hold on to an offense, anger becomes a sin. What does Paul have to say about it? What does he have to say the effect that it has on us? Go back to Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 27. In verse 26, again, he says, don't be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then in verse 27, he's going to list for us here the effect that anger gone wrong has on our life. Number one, he says, don't give place to the devil. When we allow this to come in, when we allow ourselves to be steered in that direction, somebody makes us mad, we get upset, and we get angry about it, we get steered in that direction, the first thing he says that happens is you give place to the devil. That alone should be enough for us to say, I don't want to go there. It's like building a room and saying, because really this is don't give place. It means don't give any room to him. Don't let him have a foothold. And when we get angry, we literally give him room. We give him a foothold to come into our lives. If we had a snake that slithered into this, a poisonous snake, a rattlesnake, or a cobra of some kind that got escaped and slithered into this room here, how many of you know we should do something about that? We say, no, no, don't make room for him. Ushers, don't seat the snake. Please get rid of the snake. That's what we'd be doing. We'd say, let's get rid of him right away. It's as quick as possible. If we didn't know how to get rid of the snake, we'd call somebody and say, please get the snake out of here. This is how we have to treat anger. I refuse to have it in my house, in my home. What's that? My heart. I will not make any room for this thing to be in my heart, in my life. So that's the first thing. We give room to the devil when we do that. Yesterday, when we were praying for people after the service, a number of people we prayed for, it was really a prayer of deliverance where we said, no, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we break the power of this anger. You've taken up residency. You've been in this house too long. Get out. Go in Jesus' name. With authority that we have from Christ commanding that spirit of anger, that wrath that came into somebody's life, get out in the name of Jesus. Again, it's an inside thing where the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ will drive that thing back. Then he goes on to say here, the next thing is let him who steals, steal no longer. Anger causes you to steal, causes you to be dishonest. Somebody hurts you, you want to retaliate, we end up stealing either 
possessions or time, that's the reaction. We become dishonest. It's one of the things that happens when we allow anger to come in. Another one was let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. The third one is speaking corrupt words. Anger causes us to say things that we regret later. We, our language changes. We got on this in the 930 service and probably mentioned again here at, the, at this service is when we're angry, something upsets us, something irritates us, it doesn't give us permission to swear. And I really think as believers, followers of Christ, there should be a marked difference what comes out of our mouth when something goes wrong compared to somebody who doesn't have the Lord living in their life. Because if the Holy Spirit's there to help us, he'll also help us with the most unruly member of our body is our tongue. As a matter of fact, James compares it to a steering wheel. He says, it's the steering wheel of your life. And you can be really strong and be really buff and strong and be able to bench press this and you can run so fast and do all these wonderful things. But if you can't control your tongue, how strong are you really? I find it sad when, even in our Christian circles, somebody will try to impress you when they get upset about something by using a bunch of adjectives and adverbs to describe the situation, as if all of a sudden that makes you stronger. No, it make, shows you're weaker. It shows that you can't control. The hardest muscle to develop is not your six-pack, it's not your abs. The hardest muscle to develop is your tongue. This is the most unruly member. The strongest person is the one who has something go wrong is not swearing. And sometimes if you listen to, I've heard speakers or even preachers or pastors, in order to be relevant and communicate, I'm going to slip in a few words that are kind of borderline just to be edgy. I don't, I don't want to see how close I can get to the edge and fall off. You don't need to do it. Church, if we control our tongue, in my lifetime, I've found this, that if you control your tongue, take out the swear words, you'll never lose respect in any situation. Sometimes they'll ask you why you don't swear. They'll maybe even rib you a bit about it. But you'll never lose respect. You can only stand to gain respect. I worked for a number of years in an industry that sometimes you had to literally stop and say, okay, wait a minute, what did they say? Because there was a lot of F words in between. I'm just going to take a minute and break this down. And just, you got to slash out all the words and the JCs and the JDs. And, and you just go through and you edit it and then you can kind of get the message. That, I worked in an industry like that. And sometimes they say to me, Coop, how come you don't swear? I said, because I don't need to. Can you understand me? Oh, yeah, we can understand you. Well, that's why I don't. <laughs> and they would, they'd tease me about it. They'd call me all kinds of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, it did, I didn't lose respect. I gained respect. We don't man up, guys, if we swear. We man down. 
It shows we're a smaller man, not a bigger man. Ladies, you're not edgy, racy, or provocative if you swear. You're just showing that you don't have control of the most important muscle, your tongue, your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I know this is just really basic Christianity. But it's the basic Christianity that people are watching. Well, if Jesus made such a difference in your life, how come it didn't change your mouth? How come you still got pouty mouth? But if I don't, pastor, if I don't slip in a few words, they might not accept me. Welcome to Christianity. You, you want to become a Christian, be accepted? You got the wrong, you're following the wrong person. Because Jesus was persecuted. He said, and you will have persecution. And this is a very mild form if somebody just says, I don't get you because you don't swear. I don't know why I'm on this a bit, but I think as, as believers, it's, it's the everyday stuff we're living out. So, and often those words slip out when we're angry. So, uh, and then he also says, this is a big one, grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul said it grieves the Holy Spirit when we're angry. Well, why would it grieve the Holy Spirit? Going back to the story of Cain and Abel, Cain said, I want to offer sacrifices, and I want to do it my way, God. And God says, no, this is the way we do it. I've set this up. He says, no, no, I want to do it my way. I don't need your help, God. I'll do it my way. And when we get angry, it's like, God, I'll do it my way. I don't need you, Holy Spirit. I know Jesus sent you. You're the comforter. You're the helper. But I don't need you. I'll do it my way. That grieves the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing we don't want to do is grieve the Holy Spirit. Anger grieves the Holy Spirit. And also, we become bitter if we allow wrath to have that place in our life. Hmm. So, what ways do we show anger? How does it come out? Now let's get to this illustration here with the axe and the, and the cattle. One of the pastors from Life Church, he said that uh, there's two categories that usually falls into when people handle anger wrongly. One are spewers, and the second one is stewers. So easy to remember, spewers and stewers. And he said spewers are the ones that fly off the handle. And uh, so I asked Darren if he could bring in a, an axe for me. And I said, if you got an old one, it's even better. He said, oh, yeah, I got an old axe. He said, okay, great. This is it. So this is an old axe. And years ago when the pioneers came to the country, they would, all they would get is this axe head. And they'd carve out their own handle. And they'd, they'd take it. They'd pound this uh, head onto the handle. And every once in a while when they're chopping wood or cutting something, the handle would fly off. And how many know if this axe head flies off and it hits somebody, it's going to do a lot of damage. It's going to hurt somebody, it's going to cut them, it's going to do a lot of damage. And the axe head would fly off. And so that's where we get the term, you fly off the handle. If you get angry, you fly off the handle. That's where the term comes from. Now what Darren did here is he's got some screws and he screwed them into the top of the axe head here just to wedge it so it'd be even tighter so it doesn't really keep it on there. This is the the spewers, something goes wrong and they just kind of fly off the handle. They get upset. They say things they wish they wouldn't have said. It's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, the next verse there. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Again, the steering wheel, he keeps it under control. He's got his, he mastered it. 
But a fool vents his anger. This is where we say something like, come home and you say, something's upset you. You're angry at your spouse and you say, I wish I would have never married you. I think we should get a divorce. And you just said the D word. If there's one thing we don't want to do, couples, is we don't want to ever say the D word. You, you just make sure you, you don't say the D word. As a matter of fact, you should go to your dictionary and cut that word out of the dictionary. And just say That's one word we'll never say in our home is divorce. Or even this, you know, I wish I would have never married you. Years ago, I read this little devotional book that said, when you speak, for, when you speak be careful how you speak because you speak for all eternity. And it's true. Once you get the words out there, it's really hard to go and get them back, right? You said, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. What happened was you, you flew off the handle, and now those words are out there. They're cutting, and they're doing damage. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have said, oh, why don't we get a divorce? Because now she's wondering what's going on in my heart, or he's wondering what I'm really thinking. So you, you don't want to fly off the handle. Spew it. That's the spewer. Or we say something like to our children when they've irritated us and maybe they've left the room messy or they, they did this wrong or that wrong. And we say, you're never going to amount to anything. You're so stupid. The words are out there. We flew off the handle and the cut, the damage has been done. Sometimes it's not words. It can be words, but sometimes our actions are just as loud. We can do something like this. Walk out and slam the door. How many know that can be the difference between victory and defeat? Or you do this. I didn't say anything, but I know I said a lot. That one action is the difference between things going well or a major withdrawal from a relationship. So those are the spewers. Then there's the stewers. The stewards are the kettle. These are the ones that just kind of heating up on the inside, heating up on the inside. I mean, they're not saying anything, and they're not slamming anything, but inside, this thing's just percolating, percolating and percolating, and it's coming to a boil. And one of these days, they're going to have, you know, a volcano. But right now, there's just this percolation that's going on the inside. This is Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. First of all, that anger is like an acid on the inside of you. Mark Twain said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So that thing's just kind of burning there. And you have this emotional... uh, meltdown happening on the inside. In Luke chapter 15, verse 28, there's an example of it in the story of the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son. We sometimes talk about the guy who left and came back. And, but it's the older brother we want to talk about this morning. Because in Luke 15, 28, it says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the younger brother comes home. He had wasted his inheritance. The older brother had his inheritance. And he sees his brother come in. He, he looks like a mess. He smells like a mess. His dad gives him back a credit card, restores him, throws him a big barbecue. They have a big party. They bring in the best rap group, and they got this amazing party going on. And the older brother's just like, he's ticked off. He's angry. 
He's really upset. I can't believe Dad did that. He's, he's, he wasted all the money. He comes home. He smells like pigs. He looks like a mess. We have a party for him. What's this? I never had a party like this. He gets all worked up. He leaves. He walks out. Says he became angry. His dad comes out to him and he meets him. See, the, the ones who stew, they think, well, I've kept the anger inside. I didn't say anything bad. I didn't slam the door. I kept it all inside. So what does it really matter? I'm not hurting you. Yes, you are. One, you're hurting yourself. But secondly, you're hurting others. I think this older boy really hurt his dad. When the dad went to him and said, son, look, your younger brother messed up. But he came home. We're so glad that he's home. Come on. Why don't you come on in? Join the party. And... In his anger, he pushes his dad away. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. He wasted it. I've been here all these years. You've never given me a party. And he, and he pushes his dad away. We never hear if he did come in or not. How many know that's very acidic in that relationship with the father? And then I think about the younger brother. He's coming home. We don't know this in the story, but we can imagine he's coming home and he's thinking, oh, what's my dad going to say? I'm glad just to be a servant. If I could just be a slave in this house, I'd be happy. But no doubt he thought about his older brother. Man, we used to fish together. We used to go out and play. We'd wrestle together. We rode horse together. I can't wait to see my big brother. He gets home and he's excited about seeing his big brother and then he finds that his big brother's just like angry at him. He's stewing it and he's just... So again, that anger is... Hurting others, even though he hasn't said much, he hasn't, he hasn't slammed something, he's been stewing it, but it's very hurtful to his family. So that's anger gone wrong. Let's switch over and talk about how do we use anger. What's the right way to do this? What's righteous or sanctified anger? Jesus was angry, but he did not sin. Look at Mark 3, verses 5 to 6. It says here, he looked around them in anger. In what? It's there. Jesus is angry. He was in anger and deeply distressed that their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Here's a case where Jesus was deeply upset and angered by the fact that the religious community was keeping people in a bondage and he wanted desperately for them to be free. And so that's what made him angry. There's a quote by an old preacher from the 17th century and he said this, You have to listen carefully to this one. He said, he that would be angry and not sin. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? Be angry and not sin. So he said, he that would be angry and not sin must be angry at nothing but sin. So it's something that angers the heart of God. What disturbs God? What would irritate God? It's caring about the things that God cares about. It's it's the right focus. Another fellow by the name of J.K. Morley said this, The size of a man can be measured by the size of the thing that makes him angry. So the question for us today is, what makes you angry? What irritates you? Or as Bill Hybels would say, what is your holy discontent? What is the thing that irritates you? That's righteous anger. That's sanctified anger is what upsets us, what, what irks us. Because that determines really what's going on in our heart. This whole series has been on what's inside of our heart. What makes us angry? What, what causes us to be irritated? There is something called a righteous anger. And on the next page, there's a blank there. What is your righteous anger? For our guest speaker from Wednesday night, her righteous anger was human trafficking. She's Miss Canada. 
She's a young lady in our country. But she says, enough's enough. We must do something about human trafficking. And so she's going across the country and she's doing something about it. Remember the old cartoon Popeye? I'm Popeye the sailor. Man, beep, beep, blah, 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 blah. Um, The old Popeye cartoon. Remember when Popeye... He had a girlfriend named Olive Oil, and he would, I mean, he would fight for olive oil. He was, and every once in a while, Popeye would, something would just really irritate him. And he, remember what he had? He needed some power. His power was in a can of spinach, right? He had this can of spinach. And you remember what he said when he got upset? He said, that's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. <laughs> and he takes his spinach. He said, now I'm going to do something about that. And for us as believers, we don't have spinach, but we have the Holy Spirit. And it's like, I can't stand some more. I'm going to do something about human trafficking. I can't stand some more. I'm going to do something about poverty in this world. I can't stand no more what's happening in Haiti. I'm going to do something about that. I can't stand no more that there's people that need to live in an orphanage in Panama. Our youth are going there, and it bothers me that they don't have a mommy. They don't have a daddy. They cry. They don't have enough love. There's not people around them. They've never heard how much God loves them. I'm going to do something about that. There's something that causes us to stir up and say, something must be done. It's our holy discontent what irritates us. It could be any number of things. It could be racism. It could be homelessness in our city. It could be disease. It could be terrorism. But something stirs on the inside of us. It could be, for us, we have a major push to bring help for disadvantaged youth that they'd have the same opportunity as the privileged, that they go to the same art courses, that they have the same schooling that others. And so we have a working with others to build this Vancouver Center of Arts and Technology. Where does that come from? That comes from this holy discontent. Something must be done. Somebody once said, if you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really love righteousness. So there's something. So this emotion that we have, there's a right way to steer it and a wrong way to steer it. The question for you this morning is, what is your sanctified anger? What stirs your heart? We don't all have to be the point person. We can't all be like this young lady going across the country, but we can support it. We can give into it. We can pray. We, could, we can be, do our part. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 